the right idea at the right time. The miracles of logistics every day. I just challenged all of their rules. Technology is revolutionizing this industry. Changed our lives. Close your eyes for a second. New York, Hong Kong, Paris. We're more connected. You just never know where the next innovation will come from. Rules are beginning to change. This is Longitudes Radio, a podcast with today's leading experts about the future of technology, global trade, sustainability, and logistics. From Atlanta, I'm Brian Hughes. And I'm James Rowe. So, Brian, today we have somebody with us um, who's got a crystal ball. We're going to talk about a subject that I personally loathe in action. Uh, I never do it, but it's it's particularly important this time of year, and that, dear listeners, is shopping. So today we have a special guest here, Udayan Bose. He's the founder and CEO of NetElixir, and that's a data analytics and marketing firm that helps customers be successful. So if they have digital storefronts, you know, they give them the tools, the information to be more successful and compete better. In, in layman's terms, they have the closest thing to a crystal ball uh, that we have out there in terms of predicting uh, online purchases. They look at everything from search to shop to the actual purchase. They have innumerable variables. Uh, we are not going to get into each and every one of them, but the reason you should care is they have the numbers and they've been more accurate than anyone else out there. Yeah, and I got a question. How do you get those numbers and be accurate with it? Yeah, and if you're wondering uh, just how smart Dan is, he just happens also to have a background in chemical engineering. So he made the atypical leap from chemical engineering to retail prognostication. We get into what sparked that as well as when does Udayan do his holiday shopping and is money a tacky holiday present. So for those answers and more, stay tuned. So um, thanks for joining us here today. Thank you. Okay. Thanks so much, today. Thank you very much for having me. I think you're, you're probably like the most popular person at this time of year doing predictive analytics for the holiday spending season, right? I'm blushing a bit. <laughs> More than a bit, let me just put it that way. Yeah. This is, this is kind of like your Super Bowl because it's like our Super Bowl at UPS too. Yeah, so, yes. so we're going to talk about predictive you know, analytics for the holiday shopping season, but, but I've got a, like a burning question to start with, and it's about your spending habits. So this holiday season, what are you going to do? Are you going to hit the malls or are you going to work from your Great laptop? Great question. <laughs> Great you question. actually do shop, right? <laughs> I, I do shop, but uh, shamefully do shop mostly online. The Black Friday time becomes quite busy for us. So online shopping is the one. We have essentially... Uh, trying to do a bit of a shopping for all, all experiences as well recently. So all of our shopping has moved from just being a product-centric thing to becoming much more of an experience-centric thing. Mm. So that has been interesting. For example, let's say gifting maybe a two-day tour or a trip to someone, maybe a vacation package to someone, maybe maybe just a movie ticket to someone. So that's very interesting. And we are sort of seeing that more and more in this current generation that they sort of tend to appreciate those experiences Probably even more in many cases than just physical gifts. So it's it's, it's not just what the product does, it's how it makes you feel. How Exactly. When, when did we start seeing that kind of shift between like, material goods and experiences? Very interestingly, we had, uh, we had done a research uh, on the mobile shopping behavior of the Princeton grads uh, in the year 20, 2014. We saw that a bit of a shift at that point in time. So people were using their mobile phone 
not to buy stuff, but buying some experiences as well. So that was a bit of a trigger. And since then, we have, I think, seen the experiences going up almost consistently every year. So, um, you know, it's early in November right now. The right. cast will probably come out right before Black Friday. What are some of the things that you're seeing already in shopping behavior? And is it kind of matching up with what you thought? I'll give you a little bit of a context before I sort of just dive into the answer on this thing. So, uh, so we, uh, as a search marketing specialist for retail, uh, are literally at the forefront of a lot of very interesting stuff. The first part is purely the e-commerce sales or online sales, which obviously, I mean, is exciting, interesting. The second part is we have very clearly found out a bit of a bit of a correlation between how people search and how they buy or when they buy. So that's an interesting part as well. So when and how they buy and when do they search. This actually was our ninth holiday forecast that we published this year. Uh, the first one came out 2008 was our first holiday forecast. So we have seen that uh, the, 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 the real search query pertaining to holiday purchases initiates in the third or the fourth Monday of October. So this year, for example, it was 23rd of October. The search queries slowly start going up. And I'm talking about holiday-specific product search queries in this case. Uh, we have seen typically a 15-day gap between those search queries starting to go up and the overall holiday purchases going up as well. So we're, we're creating wish lists. To creating wish lists, probably. In certain cases, actually, interestingly, making some purchases as well. And we're doing that before we're even getting Halloween candy. Uh, uh, almost. At least yeah. the search queries wow. starting at the same phase, which I think is pretty interesting. And has that changed over the um, years that you've been doing this? Actually, very interestingly, that 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 third or the fourth Monday, just the reason I said third or fourth Monday is depending on how, how many Mondays are there in October. Uh, around that 22nd, 23rd, 24th, that has remained consistent since at least 2010. So seven years, that seems to be the, the, the trend. I think, I don't know about you, Brian, but mine's a little later on the calendar. I'm, I'm kind yeah. of a procrastinator. Mine is uh, roughly around December 24th. Okay. Uh, but it's early <laughs> you, in the morning. You, so. no, no, you probably, Brian, would actually be sort of falling into a bit of a, a, a higher segment as well. So we have seen in the last two years, specific 2015, 2016, we saw a significant chunk of purchases happening on the 20th, 21st, and 22nd. And remember, these are like not the, the physical brick-and-mortar orders. These are like actually the online orders happening from mobile devices. And you know if like roughly 90% of those orders were coming from men? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean, it's just a hunch. I think you're on to something. Let's kind of look at your timeline of right. the year. You know, we, we've... We know that you do predictive analytics. What, when does your research start? So we, we have been now releasing our forecast in the month of August. So we bank on the first about seven months of the year. Uh, we typically tend to do our forecast around the 18th to 20th of August. So the data is still about 9th or 10th of August is what we calculate the data. Uh, it is fairly limited because back to school, we have seen uh, some of the back to school trends have a pretty deep correlation with as to how the forecasts are. So maybe maybe sometimes our forecasts may not be uh, having the entire data set from back to school data, obviously. So you're kind of an early bird for the season, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. We and probably that, are the first one to come up with a forecast. Okay. The season. Yeah. So you come up with the forecast and you put that out in August. Yeah. And then what happens between there and like right now? And then post back to school, so around the 20th of September, we we sort of almost like validate whether the forecast is still on track or since we have the entire back to school data by then, are there any changes or edits which need to be made in the forecast essentially? So Udayan, 
you're a chemical engineer by <laughs> trade, if, if I know your background correctly. How in the heck did you get into prognosticating retail spending? It's, it's quite the leap, right? So interesting. So first of all, I can... A candidate admission that being a chemical engineer, I don't know anything about chemical engineering. I have to do anything with chemical engineering. So it was during, uh, so I used to take some, uh, as a as a guest lecturer in Cornell Business School, uh, I uh, uh, just sort of met with a group of professors who were very interested in just answering a fundamental question as to how did the how did the consumer or how is the consumer behavior really evolving, uh, specifically as it really relates to online, uh, specifically with the emergence of mobile being, I mean, iPhone was introduced in 2007 and so on. So this, we are talking about 2008 back then. And we really wanted to see if we can use data to gain deeper insights into as to how consumers really sort of behave online. That's how it started. And then at that time, I believe it was Comscore and we had eMarketer who came up with those holiday forecasts and somehow... At the end of it, when NRF released those actual numbers, which was in the second or the third week of Jan, uh, somehow the, the 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 forecast versus the actual never never matched. So it's kind of like your area weather, right? right. It's a weather so man. then we said that can we really do something which is probably a little in the weeds since we were sort of managing a handful of campaigns at that time. So we just selected about 35 of our customers with an aggregate uh, holiday spend of about one, I mean, that sort of grew to 125 later, 120 million million. But at that time, it was far, far smaller than that. And we said, why don't we really typically track the, the, the overall search queries? Uh, we track the online purchases or number of orders. We actually sort of went ahead and tracked the number of items within each order as well, which sort of gave us a good sense of the average order value as well. Uh, and uh, conversion rates and cost per click, which is a very search marketing term. So we aggregated all this information and then found three things, which I think sort of really sort of got us very passionate about this thing. The first thing, uh, even in our very, very small data set, uh, there were deviations, but it was not really a massive deviation and we could see the correlations and we could see as to where the gaps really had between the NRF, the final results, as well as this. The second interesting part, which is something which has really helped us to uh, chart our future as well, uh, is effectively the concept of uh, people search, then they shop, and then they buy, right? So if you really look at search, shop, and buy, search precedes the buy behavior. And we were able to sort of track some sort of a correlation. So we actually went ahead and in fact, I was presenting to the Cornell MBA class in the 2009, 10, 11, and 12 as to how we have been tracking these online consumer insights to or searcher behavior to predict the online consumer insights, which became pretty interesting. So suddenly everything sort of gelled together very well. And the third thing which was very unique is even what, which, which, was, which still remains a big question, how did with a very small data set uh, 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 how reflective is it of the overall U.S. e-commerce, which is obviously significantly higher. So 2008, 9, 10, uh, as we sort of kept on working on our uh, statistical models, we saw that the deviation of the gap between the actual results announced by NRF uh, and our forecasts slowly came down. The deviation sort of got minimized. And 2012 onwards, we have not really missed a single forecast. So wow. that's, I think has been interesting that even as the data set now has grown, obviously, about 85 customers this year, for example, they would uh, spend typically, or they would sort of make typically in the holiday season about $400 million in terms of e-commerce revenue. So how, yeah. do you, how do you get at that kind of accuracy? I mean, you know, you, you're saying that you're hitting 
um, pretty much spot on every year. What are some of the tools? Can you kind of briefly describe, you know, what what it is that you guys use to get those numbers? It is, I think, I, I think more than the tools, James. What I'm thinking of is probably is the 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 number of variables we have considered to come up with the calculation or build the model, right? So one of the variables is typically we are looking at uh, almost like a day by day overall spend and the return. Uh, starting from the first day of the year, right? So first Jan onwards, every day we are tracking that thing. We uh, specifically starting from now, it has become the, the 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 prime shopping day. Let us say July twelfth or thirteenth. We are able to sort of now track from July tenth, literally an hour by hour overall as to how the sales patterns are. We are able to break it down further by uh, the, the the different devices. And since we are doing all that digital marketing for retailers, we are able to see as to what is overall device adoption, what is the percentage channel share, et cetera, et cetera. So that is, I think, one part of the variable which we have found identifying those points has been very helpful. The second thing has been the back-to-school data. Uh, Just because the back-to-school we have seen for the last many years has been a very, very good predictor of the holiday sales, of the holiday purchases. So that, again, has shaped up to be quite substantial. Uh, This year, I must say, we have sort of released our forecast with a little bit of a what we call the the cautious optimism. Uh, The reason we sort of say cautious is because there are two factors which uh, we think or we believe we may not really have uh, and we, we, our weightage can go wrong. Uh, one is mobile, because the speed at which the mobile is growing, I mean, our assumption is based on what we have seen so far. But as mobile has proven over the last about three years, uh, every time almost our forecasts have been lower than what it actually sort of grew by. Right? So that probably is one of the things. The second thing is a very unique thing about voice search. So voice search, there is hardly any published data. Right? It's at, at best subjective. But the only thing that we know, and this is by doing a little bit of a primary research, etc., that voice search is growing in terms of your overall popularity. So you have to sort of consider the channels. You have to consider essentially the hourly data, the, the, the monthly data, and so on and so on. Back to school has a big part. So if I said to you, the story of holiday shopping in 2017 is X. Mm-hmm. How would you finish that sentence? If I had to sort of pick just one word, Brian, I would say mobile. I'm very intrigued. I sort of keep on being intrigued every time I think that we have sort of cracked the code. We have not, right? So I think mobile shopping, uh, with the mobile phone, what happened, Brian, was suddenly uh, two or three billion people uh, became marketers and they became shoppers, right? And shoppers in a very different way. They could innovate, they could test out different things and they can do all sorts of fun things, which uh, the number of variables and the variability can become enormous with sort of such a huge mass of people using it. So I would think that this year has been for last year as well, last couple of years, in fact, that the story will be mobile, mobile shopping. This year it becomes particularly interesting because we are seeing a 146% increase in terms of the number of near me searches or the locational searches. So normally online has been always treated as I'll go there, buy online, I'll get the stuff maybe in about one day, two days, whatever it is, right? The shipping time. But now I think with the lot of connection of the, uh, with the emergence of mobile and specifically having a lot of the brick and mortar stores, they are purposefully sort of sending the people to their nearby stores, which makes it pretty interesting as to uh, how it sort of shapes up. So mobile is, I think, going to be that one word. You know, when you um, when you look at the numbers, maybe that's a good place to go. We've we've gone pretty far into the cast, and I think people are probably wondering, you know, well, what what is the magic number this year? So ours at this point in time is basically ten percent. It'll probably be a slightly higher than ten percent year on year e-commerce growth. Uh, I know we probably are the ones who have come up with the most conservative projections at this point in time. 
but uh, yeah so that's so 10% is our number essentially for e-commerce growth uh, for the holidays year on year so in terms of um you know breaking down that number for for online shopping what part of that goes to mobile versus desktop so typically we are projecting about 35% of all the online sales this year one third roughly a little more than one third going to mobile effectively so mobile sales would be really about 35% of and we are just looking at the nrf data etc cetera, etc cetera. i think if you are looking at about 84 to 87 billion dollars being the the online holiday spend this year and again this there is there is a lo- lot of numbers floating there so i'm just using the the scom score slash the nrf numbers so about 85 billion dollars worth of sale during the holiday season this year so roughly about 35% of that would be mobile which would make it what about 30 billion dollars around so um you know when you look at the amount of people that are are out there shopping i think uh-huh. the number i was reading was like a, up to a trillion dollars mm-hmm. is going to be spent uh, right. from november to january mm-hmm. so out of that, does your data kind of show at all like what people are gravitating towards? Are they going with, um, you know, more traditional uh, brick and mortar? Uh, and if they do, are those specialty stores? Are they smaller ones? Um, are people still in the department stores? Um, or are they kind of chasing that online? Um, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to get a picture in my mind of, of how the consumer is going to approach holiday spending. Yeah, that's actually a great question. And I must again sort of put out a disclaimer out here, uh, James, that our data would be probably more reflective of the online behavior rather than the overall behavior as such. So we are seeing in the online space uh, a couple of very unique trends. Uh, The first unique trend uh, may not be as unique, but again, the thing is the specialty stores definitely are gaining an advantage, right? That's, that's definitely, I think, one of the things where basically they're sort of just moving forward. And the mass merchants are finding it difficult. I wouldn't sort of deny that. Mars Martin is finding it difficult. We are seeing also a bit of a skew uh, when the specialty stores or the retailers who have a very specifically defined social cause. So, it, it, and specifically for the millennial groups, I think that company with a social cause uh, has is really gaining a lot of popularity. So, uh, that's, I think, one of the other observations which was there. And the experience part, as I have mentioned also, probably to an extent relates to that in a very extended way as well. Uh, so where will people shop in? Again, if we really look at our projections, we uh, we have factored in about $84 billion, specifically in terms of the online shopping during the holiday season. It might be a, a little obvious coming from the UPS perspective, but for example, we're expecting to ship upwards of 30 million packages a day during what we call mm-hmm. peak, which is our holiday right. season. How can what you gather be predictive for the logistics process. And by that, I mean the information you gather and provide to businesses. How is it that uh, logistics people, for lack of a better word, how can they tap into your data to improve what it is they do? I'll probably try to give an example, Brian. So we work with Kansas City Stakes, and we have been working with them since 2011 now. So that's about six. This would be our seventh holiday season with them. So I still remember this conversation we had about three years back or two years, 2015, with their CEO, you know, was involved, where we said that, you know what, the, actually the holiday shipping season is getting extended. So don't, don't have uh, December 17th as your last free ground shipping day. Is there a way for you to talk to your UPS partners and extend it by just a couple of days? And we did a bit of a cost-benefit analysis. If you really extend the last day for free ground shipping by X days, this is the incremental amount that you can make. 
And uh, this is essentially, I mean, the cost, we didn't really have too much of an insight into this. They sort of did the cost calculation. So I think it calls for not just a marketing discussion. It's a much bigger discussion. It's much more of a business strategy discussion overall. So that's, I think, one of the things is uh, I would very, very strongly recommend uh, anyone who's sort of shipping purely the logistics part specifically to talk with your service provider, the, 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 the UPS folks, and discuss the possibility of extending the shipping dates and looking at us to and understanding the, the cost benefit analysis. Yeah, that's uh, it's, it seems like a really good question about the logistics of this and, and how it plans out. We, we actually have three peaks that we talk about where we have, uh, of course, right around uh, Black Friday and we get a surge and then around, of course, leading up to Christmas and then afterwards with returns. So um, it, it's pretty amazing the stretch that it goes over. So kind of keeping that in mind, you know, where, where does your data kind of cut off? Do you, do you kind of look at post-Christmas and, you know, into the new year of, of returns and that kind of stuff? Or do you primarily focus on purchasing behavior? We focus primarily on the purchasing behavior. But the data doesn't really stop because we have not really stopped it since 2009. So essentially it has been ongoing data. So every month, every, every day, literally, we are collecting the data. So it's sort of all residing in our data archive, yeah. You know, one thing I noticed uh, is that not only do you guys do the predictive analytics, but you also have a series of planning and readiness workshops, um, webinars, mm-hmm. uh, a calendar, really cool calendar. Right. Um, we'll probably make that available if we can, right? Absolutely. Uh, what, what do you do with those pieces? How do, how do those add into what Netelixer offers? So actually what we do is, so, so we specialize in digital marketing for retail. So we are a retail search marketing is our area of competence, right? So retail search marketing specialists. But again, as we have mentioned that we have been in this business for about 13 and a half years now. So this is our 13th holiday season. And effectively, we have been able to acquire uh, a lot of uh, lot of expertise as it relates to very specifically holiday search marketing. Uh, in fact, I would probably go ahead and make a rather... Uh, 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 bullish claim that I, I I would struggle to really find anyone who can gain higher results from the holiday search marketing efforts compared to us. Just because that's what the team spends a lot of time on. I mean, we have sort of offices working 24 by 7 and everything. It basically gives us a significant advantage on this piece. Now, effectively, I think we decided about, again, two years back when we started working with uh, UPS uh, that there are a lot of smaller businesses primarily who may benefit from all these expertise that we have been able to aggregate over the years. So we said, why don't we really do something which we call the holiday readiness clinics? Uh, it's basically an attempt to go in either in groups as well as one-on-one and uh, teach people how to make more money during holidays, specifically doing search marketing effort. So that's, I think, what it got us started. The holiday calendar we have been publishing since 2010, I believe. So this has been, I think, based on the overall observation that we have had, which ties in very well to our forecast as well. Yeah. I was going to ask you too, because we talk a lot about data here in Longitudes Radio and numbers tell a story. They can tell a good story. They can tell a bad story. But I remember Jack Levis, kind of one of the people responsible for building Orion, talked about how bad data can lead you down really uh, perilous path, right? So how do you make sure that what you're using and what you're relying on is pristine, that you can actually trust it and that it's not leading you in the wrong direction? 
That's a great question, Brian. And that's where I think the initial few years where they're sort of struggling to understand as to what is that data point. So when you say essentially data, you are looking at the different point, but I think it starts fundamentally by asking the right questions. I mean, is this going to even feature in the model or fact have a factor or play in the model as such? So I think the, those were the learnings that we got in 2008, 9, 10, primarily, which sort of helped us significantly to understand as to what variables to keep a track on. But what we have seen is in the last about three, four years, for example, mobile at that time was almost like a non-factor in 2009, right? So from that perspective, we have constantly had to validate that the same number of factors remain or do some of the factors become less important and other factors which probably were not even there in that mix come in. So it's more of a essentially identifying that set of factors which and then sort of doing those tests not just in the holiday season but doing on a regular ongoing basis. So we uh, we initially when we had started up in 2008 it was just a very batch 2008 and 2009 as well just batch during holidays so we used to sort of track that information and just present that holiday piece but now we have made it an ongoing part so that's the reason the data collection never really stops and we are sort of validating it the the best way of validation rather than uh, so we have an advantage we probably have an agency advantage I would say the advantage is we have customers to test as to how good our forecasts are. Right. So and that is really what makes is really the true proof of as to how good the data is. So effectively, it is not only the holidays, but even in the other months as well, on a quarterly basis, we present to all of our customers uh, what we call the the typical the, the overall search marketing led growth forecasts. So that essentially, I think, is our big proof rather than just relying on sort of third party stuff. Yeah. So Uday, and there's this concept uh, I've seen floating around out there that's particularly relevant after Christmas, and it's called the me-buys. Is that right? What, first of all, what is a me-buy, and then what are you seeing in the sounds like space? amoeba. <laughs> I don't think it's that, uh, yeah. No. So essentially, in the last about four or five years, we are seeing this, this, this trend, which has now become quite substantial, where there is a significant amount of purchase made, uh, not for the purposes of gifting, but for myself, like right? you didn't so get what you wanted for Christmas, so yes, you got to so, go out and buy it. Yeah. Go out and buy yeah. Taking it in your own hands. So that is driven both by a, a greater percentage having been sort of given gift cards as well, plus the fact the fact that there is a lot of discounting going on between the 27th of December and the 30th of December, right? So people sort of stock up at that point in time as well. So that's an interesting uh, phenomena which has come in. Very interestingly, if you sort of just take the, the map of the United States, it's to an extent directly correlates in certain cases where you are seeing a much more of a multicultural population where sort of as the with the, the increase in the, the diversity of the population within uh, within a particular uh, region. Let us say we are seeing that the overall the percentage of me buys or the, the purchase during that time, the 27th to the 31st of December going up significantly. Uh, again, a way for us to relate probably, I mean, if I were to hypothesize, I, I mean, obviously, I'm not by no means a social scientist to go ahead and make any judgments on this thing. But I think, uh, again, uh, Christmas, there are a lot of multiple religions coming in. And for them, this offers an opportunity for them to get discounted products. So that's the reason they sort of stock up. So they are not really very, very focused on uh, just only buying for the gifting during the Christmas, but they are also equally interested in the, probably more interested uh, in those discounted offers after Christmas. And so interesting, I, I, want, I want to get your take on this with perhaps a tip of the hat to Seinfeld, but with all this disposable income, right, and the quote me buys, yeah. do you think it's tacky to give cash as a gift? Yes or no, and then why? 
See, again, I'll give a personal opinion. I think yes. <laughs> I personally am absolutely do not like <laughs> giving cash or receiving cash because it, to me, shows a very clear lack of imagination. <laughs> I'm sorry. It, does, it doesn't require much research, <laughs> yeah. for sure. I would prefer that if I was gifted an experience <laughs> rather than cash. Because well, that, that would create that an experience. I know, that just might not experience. be the one you wanted. <laughs> I know. That's for sure. So this has been a super insightful discussion. I've learned a lot, but but I think we're going to have to break away because um, holiday sh- uh, shopping season is upon us. And well, maybe I, for you, I, I don't really. A while. <laughs> I, I, yeah, you do. I don't really have a list built. So uh, and I'm past that magic twenty third date. So Uday and Bose from Net Elixir, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, James and Brian. 